0: Hello everyone and welcome to Lexicon. Our guest in this episode is Bib Bridget the founder and CEO of Safe AI, a world leader in heavy equipment automation. In this episode, we'll explore Bib Bridget's journey from childhood to founding one of the most exciting tech AI and automation companies in the world. Safe AI retrofits heavy vehicles with autonomous technology to make sites safer, more productive and more cost effective. The retrofit approach enables companies to upgrade their existing vehicles, lower the barrier to entry for autonomous deployments. The company is currently focused on the mining and construction industries, but has the potential to automate pretty much any industry that relies on large vehicles of all shapes and sizes. Bib Bridget explains how this is done, on which types of vehicles it is appropriate, and gives us a glimpse into a future where the cradle to grave life cycle of many products could, in theory, be fully automated. This would free human beings from the drudgery of manual jobs in fields like mining, construction, and delivery. We also shared some nostalgia about the 1980s Transformer series and looked into the deep future where Safe AI could help humans expand beyond our planet. Hello, BeatBrigitte.
1: Uh, hey uh, welcome to Lexicon. Um, if you want to start off by giving us a, in, your history, um, how you got into um starting Safe and um, yeah, to give our audience a rough idea of
2: who you are, what you do. Absolutely. Thank you, Chris, for having me today. And I listened to some of your podcasts. It was really, really, very well done. Cool. I, I tell some other people I know how much hard work it is to create this thing. So really, thank you. Thank you for all that. So a little bit of my background, and I grew up in India, and I think when I was growing up in school and all that, really, I was good at math. That's all I could do. So that's got me to engineering, and I came to US early 2000. That is really also the time when the DARPA Grand Challenge started. It's kind of a little bit of history was that, you know, US defense was doing autonomous technology back in 90s. Early 2000, they're like, should we give this to broader audience? And there is something called DARPA Grand Challenge that started in early 2000 that really sparked the technology of autonomous and self-driving and which we'll talk a lot about got started in us and by being started in us started in the universe if you will the whole world uh, i think i was in a grad school got into it my phd was in autonomy uh, my thesis in the autonomous system then i moved on to the mining industry picked up autonomy before anybody else and like, i will talk about why but broadly imagine this big machine driving 24 7 in a remote area of the world it just makes perfect sense uh so i think i I was with caterpillar for seven years really loved the work of creating autonomous mining truck from scratch all the way to production i I think that's like probably one of the best job you can have coming out of your grad school when you did your technology and actually be able to apply it Uh, so that's amazing i learned a lot and as you know, by the time Google started Autonomy, that makes all the automotive companies started Autonomy. And that's got me to Silicon Valley. I was leading autonomous for the Ford in the Silicon Valley office. And I was at Apple doing same thing, autonomous self-driving car. Then about seven years ago, we started Safe I we'll talk more about it. Really bringing that technology back into the heavy industry where I come from during my Caterpillar days.
1: Okay. So if you're well suited then in <laughs> your, your background really. That's <laughs> Impressive. Right. Um well I noticed, um philosophy of safe AI, AI uh is yeah, as you kind of alluded to, is to make work as uh, work sites safer, more productive, more cost effective. Um, especially um given the um impendants going called Labour Punch. Uh, so do you think uh, robots and other autonomous vehicles will become more important in the construction industry um, especially as SafeAI uh, performs different tasks like bricklaying or mechanical service installation, things like that? Apart from yeah. heavy
2: So if you kind of broadly look at this, to kind going of to give you what we do at SafeAI we directly go to the mining company, construction company. So construction company, think about Bechtels of the world. In a mining company, you're thinking about Rio Tinto, BHP, Vale. if you know those names. These are like a large mining company. And they run thousands of vehicles 24-7 in their site. And sometimes this site runs for 15, 20, 30 years. So this is like a massive, large project. And this is where all our materials come from, right? Copper mine, gold mine, really all that goes on. We directly go to these companies, take their existing vehicles. And when you say vehicles, we're really talking about massive trucks, 200, 300, 400 ton truck. Those are, we take those vehicles, we retrofit it with a bunch of sensors and technologies, if you will, and give it back to them. And these are fully autonomous. This means no remote control, no human operator, no human oversight whatsoever. And we'll talk about more detail about it so that they can run more safely, you know, about 20% more productivity and a 20 to 25% cost efficiency. So if you want to look it up in a like a general public point of view, what does that mean for you and me? Think about you know somebody building a bridge. It will take hundred million, five dollar five years. With this technology, you can get that done four year, $75 million. So it's a massive, massive savings. Also, we produce faster.
1: Of course. Yeah. And it should, the consumer prices should come down generally for other products down the, down the line. If it was adopted wide scale, raw material costs it will feed into other products as well directly
2: yeah i think it's like the way i say this way that 20 percent of the world build very well and 80 percent of the world is looking at the 20 percent of the world saying that i want the same thing but i want it faster and i want it in a more cost efficient way Yes, and i'll give you one example you can kind of relate to that and this was an example i was in dubai a couple of months ago so basically, you know, Dubai, and if you take the Dubai and take, make it Dubai minus 30 years, like how Dubai was, it was nothing 30 years ago. It was like a land
1: mm-hmm.
2: in 30 years, they make it one of the you know, amazing city, if you will.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Now in the whole Middle East area, they're looking at 20 such region who look like Dubai minus 30 years. They mm-hmm. said, we want to make it look like Dubai, but this time I don't want to take 30 years. I want to take 10 years that's what's happening right then this technology will enable you to do that so this really that is a massive shift in the world where we're going to build faster and build in more cost-efficient way and build it safer yeah i see
1: that yeah absolutely oh brilliant um since you touched on uh retrofitting vehicles um without going into too much detail (laughs) what does that process entail really if you take an existing vehicle and, and retrofit it, what would you need to do
2: to it? Yeah. So one thing we do. The first reason we went into retrofit because there are most of the vehicles are already working. So this technology has enabling the safety, productivity. Our end customer want their existing equipment to be autonomous as well, and the life of this vehicle is anywhere from fifteen to twenty years. Okay you can imagine that there are more vehicles that they use today that is need to be retrofitted and autonomous versus a new vehicle coming in. Cool. So that's kind of the broadly the benefit to the end user. So really we take this equipment and we are very equipment agnostic. It could be any size. We have done 15 ton smaller, still bigger than a regular vehicle you think about, but small for us. So 15 ton all the way up to 400 ton truck and 400 ton truck is really a size of a building. And I think the way I give the kind of analogy, like if you stand next to the tire, like you would be not even half of the tire.
1: Yeah, see. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah, laughs>
2: so we do any of truck, we do the dozer, we take the vehicle, we directly communicate with their can communication to control the vehicles. Right. So the way you think about it, when you tap into the brake or throttle, really yeah. there is message going. We tap into that. Right. So vehicle right. doesn't know whether a human operator is there or a Technology or a computer is sending the signal. Oh,
1: I see. I, I was into the James sort of servos and you know, press, pressing the pedals on, on commands, but you you completely bypass the cabin controls, really.
2: We completely. So basically, the way you want to think about, you know, when you press the brake or throttle, yeah. it's not your your pressure is not actually stopping the vehicle. Like, really, that is a signal going to a ECU, which is a computer who really does the job, which is basically hydraulic yeah. pump. what we do we tap into the signal so hydraulic pump doesn't know if the signal is coming because you tap into the throttle or you know accelerator or the brake or it is a signal coming from a computer so and the good thing is that now that we are doing it electronically we have much more precise precision control over a human you can imagine then we put bunch of sensors and sensors are really you're talking about lidar radar camera because you got your eyes. We put you know GNSS, which is basically location of the vehicles. We put huge computer in the vehicle. This is where Nvidia's of the world, Intels of the world make their money, right? Not the server side, but the an onboard side. So we put massive computer in the com- in the vehicle. That is where we are running our software. And that is the software that is actually looking around, seeing what is going on, making the decision, actually doing the driving for the vehicles. So that's your how you turn around a vehicle to be autonomous. And just to give you a sense how much how long it takes for us, we usually take about six weeks to convert about 30 truck fully autonomous. So usually what happens is set a, send a team of you know engineers and operators and they go there in in about six weeks they will turn around 30 trucks to make it fully autonomous wow
1: a lot quicker than i expected <laughs> that's amazing um so <laughs> this will work on any vehicle then any existing vehicle doesn't matter if it's electric or combustion engine um or, or is there a criteria like a certain uh, certain age of vehicle only has within the so within less than 20 years old or does it not matter
2: yeah, so I think the energy part of it, we are energy agnostic, and we'll talk about it. We had some exciting news came out. We are energy agnostic, right? Whether it is powered by your diesel or electric battery or even you know other form of energy, we are energy agnostic, and we have demonstrated one recently. We'll talk about that. To your point about we can retrofit any vehicle, but the yeah. age of the vehicle is really not about the technology; it's about the you know commerce, the economics. So if the vehicle is about fifteen year old, you don't want to put all those technology just to run for another two years. So that we can sense. do older vehicle, but economically it just doesn't make sense. The older right. it gets, it becomes less viable. That makes
1: sense. That makes sense. Yeah, you wouldn't would uh, really invest all that uh, extra capital if like you say for a vehicle that's <laughs> retired in a year anyway. That makes sense. Fair enough. Um, so it, it, any vehicle, like any it could be performing any activity. So we, you could do it to a, a bulldozer, um, a crane, anything. Is that right? So
2: that that is, is right. And if you really look at the, you know, why we do it. If you go to a construction site or mine site, if you look around, really the vision is that what we call a no-entry site. That means yeah. you need to get the job done. You tell all your machine what to do. You are kind of the mastermind of the design. And you right. set this set of robots. Think about it yep. could be truck, dozer, bulldozer, whatnot. And they're just getting the job done. Right, That is the vision we are going. It will take some time. We are not okay. going to get that tomorrow. But to answer to your question, we will make each and every vehicle autonomous over the time. It will, it will take time. But yes, the idea is to every vehicle will be autonomous over the long arc of the technology as we're building. That's incredible. I'm
1: getting visions of, um, did you ever watch Transformers in the the 1980s? I'm
2: a big fan of robots. I had to watch (laughs)
1: Transformers. (laughs) Please tell me you can make a devastator later down the line. That'll be (laughs) incredible. Great. Um, So when you retrofit the vehicle, um, obviously it depends on what the original vehicle was designed for. But presumably it's a single task vehicle obviously they can only do bulldozing jobs etc cetera, etc cetera. that makes any sense or, or can uh, they learn to do different things within reason so what trucks are very well,
2: single single task because yeah. they just haul material but yeah. when you get to dozer when you go to excavator they are actually multi-purpose also by yeah. nature like yeah. think yeah. about one of the things probably more close to home is let's think about a bobcat excavator like you can change what you put in the front and all of a sudden the job they do is different. So when we say autonomous machine or autonomous equipment, we are talking about hauling part, like driving from point A to point B, but then yeah. also the robotics part, it is doing something. It's pushing yeah. material, it's digging material, it is cleaning up material. So we do autonomous both of it. And, you know, we'll talk about maybe in the more technology side of it, we also use AI to learning the different different tasks. So we do have this equipment over the time and learn different tasks if they are multi-purpose. Track not yeah. so much. Track is a single-purpose yeah. vehicle, but dozer and excavators, yes.
1: I see. And um, so the site operator, uh, once they've commissioned you to retrofit these vehicles, they will define uh, the tasks each vehicle does presumably. It's like a umbrella software sort of project management, a digital project manager, in effect, telling the digger where to go, where to pick up, the, where to dig, where the uh, articulated lorry to come in, and et cetera, et cetera. Am I understanding correctly? To, to sort yes. plan the out.
2: that's right. And I think the way it has, like, as a project manager, you'll kind of plan the whole thing, and you know which asset is supposed to do what. Yeah. And then we come in we make sure every asset is doing the job coordinating and autonomously getting that job done
1: okay all right brilliant quite exciting <laughs> um so in theory then um a client has come to you uh, asked you to retrofit all the vehicles presumably they can run uh, within reason 24 hours a day seven days a week um and requiring refuels and whatnot, or certain maintenance um, and, and wear and tear, obviously, are there any kind of barriers to this that would sort of limit it, um, like sort of noise pollution, uh, disrupting neighbourhood uh, neighbors around, um, things like that, that would stop a, a site continuously working, if it's, unless it's a remote location, like a mine or something?
2: Yeah, so I think that that is a critical point, like, what is the application? So if it is a mine, think about a large mine, they do run 24 seven and I'll give you a statistics and I'll kind of just set the stage. In the mining industry, there is already about thousand plus different trucks running okay. autonomously for last 10 years. Okay, yeah. And they moved about eight to 10 billion tons of material fully autonomously and not a single fatal accident. So mining is pretty advanced when it comes to taking autonomy to production and making it run 24-7. So mining, we do run 24-7. And there is a one hour of break time, which is where the fueling and the maintenance happen. So you really run 23 hours a day, which is basically the max you can run. Now, if you want to go into construction and you also play into the cement, the quarry side of it, there, depending on where the location of this site, we will adhere to the... And of the window of operation that is allowed by that site. So for example, one of the sites we are currently looking at it they run eight hours, but the window of operation they could run fourteen hours, but the city didn't give them more than fourteen hours of you know because beyond that they didn't allow, but they only run eight hour today because because of the human operation. But once we start deploying autonomy we'll actually take the whole 14 hour. But we will not go 24 because that's a different type of limitation. We will awesome. not violate the city and other government relation.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. And um, presumably they also feed into the um, cost effectiveness as well. They're running constantly, forever. <laughs> it will limit their lifespan within each machine. So, yeah, economics plays a role as well, presumably. Um, so uh, where were we? So. Um, I mentioned Transformers (laughs) um, a couple of years ago um, we we did a a series of videos on a a YouTube creator who um, took a series of remote controlled vehicles and uh, presumably there was more one operator but each of you'd have basically a mini little construction set so you'd have a little stream (laughs) and one of them I remember he he built a road around the the banks of the stream another one he made a little football field Um, yeah, brilliant that's fascinating to watch um but presumably um i think we've sp- fact we have spoken about this this is effectively the vision the future vision of safe ai vehicles isn't it really on construction sites it would be like that really no humans around you can remotely um observe and monitor what's going on but effectively they can just get on with it is that right
2: that's right. And, and I think we are getting there. And I think this is something I, you know, maybe when you zoom out completely, right? I the way I say there was a time we did not invented will. We used to carry material. Right. Literally, you know, yes. think about hundreds of thousands of years ago we used to carry material. Then we figure out how to kind of invent will. Then we used to push.
1: Yes.
2: Then I like, okay, but by the time we also figure out in you know, you figure out engine, now we don't push anymore. We're like, okay, let's go. But now we still give the direction we drive. It's just a matter of time. That technology is going to also come. It's like you don't even have to drive anymore. And, and if you go to one of those mine and construction and you look around, and I sit in that machine for five, six hours, which is driven manually, this is not human supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. It's very dangerous, unsafe, repetitive. Yeah. what what we we want human to do do the planning do the organization do the orchestrating that this is what i want but once they made the plan let this machine do the job this is not a place for human to be and they monitor observe and kind of do the planning and this is where the world is going
1: yeah exactly yeah you're gonna run into artificial barriers though like we mentioned about um city city regulations that i barriers you can work Obviously, the workers who are going to be displaced with their jobs effectively being automated, uh, their unions are not going to be (laughs) happy about that, um, which is uh, sad to see, really. But um, yeah, how how you get over that barrier, I don't know in the future.
2: I mean, there are multiple angles to that, and especially mining industry done a great job. First of all, this industry, because these are such a remote area. So think about remote parts of Canada, extremely cold. Think about middle of nowhere in Chile right or middle of nowhere in brazil this is where this mines runs or construction sites are you really have an extreme shortage of labor that's just mm-hmm. a first one. second thing is that the newer generation and i go talk to a lot of universities civil engineer other thing newer generation doesn't want to get into the job that what their dad's doing now mm-hmm. think about that right the way to attract them is to Bring more technology to this industry, and they'll say, "Okay, now I am interested." So, really, when you think about that, it is not so much about yes, the current generation. It will take time. This doesn't happen over time, but really, you are attracting next generation to come to this mining, construction, and the heavy industry by importing more technology to that. Because so they really don't want to do what they are seeing happening today. So, it's actually more than displacement. You are attracting the next generation in the, okay. in that industry. And even the people who are doing it now, if you really go talk to them, they understand the safety benefit. They have been doing it for 10, 15, 20 years. The physical toll that takes on their body, just being, I mean, I don't know if you've been to there, like the amount of dust that comes. yeah. The particulates is not good for your health. Exactly, right? yeah. They would rather be out of it if we can get That's them out and give them a job that is more safer.
1: Yeah, especially using some of the tools, um, some of the pneumatic tools, end up with very bad arthritis and all sorts of horrible yeah. <laughs> horrible problems, yeah. Um yeah, same in the mines. Because I, I grew up in Wales. And a lot of the uh, villages, the old villages in Wales are old coal mining uh, places and yeah, horror stories. <laughs> yeah, it. either the accidents or yeah, the, the health problems. Yeah, that makes sense. Um so presumably you you mentioned Canada. Uh so you could use the same system for long long haul uh, long road haulage long distance
2: haulage presumably that's is right that i right? mean this, yeah. this is very versatile can be used for any machine any type of application yeah. without trains having...
1: yeah <laughs> presumably ships adjusted have you had any interest from from shipping companies
2: We have a lot of interest. I think some of the company we talk to, they're such a big conglomerate. They actually run ports, they run the mine, they run the city. Like They're a big conglomerate, right? I mean, as a startup, we laser focus on mining and construction, not because that's the only area, because we just need to focus on our use case and get that really done well. Uh, That's just being a startup, the focus. But use case-wise, think about the port. There's a lot of interest. There's a lot of interest from oil and gas industry. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there are versatile interests. We kept focused on the mining and construction because we just want to make sure we do that fast, then venturing out.
1: Hey, you could go from cradle to grave, then, for the automateds, couldn't you? That's right. From the mine to the, to the factory, then deliver. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is amazing. Um, OK, then. Uh, so last question, looking into the future, then uh could such a system as yours be used for remote operations on other planets or asteroids or um yeah places like that where obviously it's not safe for humans to go anyway um but directly yeah, a similar system could be set up there you could tap into um spacex and send the materials back using their spaceship things like that thinking yes, long that- long time
2: <laughs> I, I, I remember during my PhD days, one of the proposal we re, we wrote is that we'll build this robot that will go into the space. They can recreate themselves and get all the job done needed to do. So that was back in early 2000. So idea was there for a long time. Can we do it? I think if you're talking about space exploration, and I think Komatsu did a recently, you know, as much sounds like a science fiction, Komatsu actually recently announced something there doing exploding ideas like that you will see that it's not remote control it's actually the autonomous robot completely getting the job done really i mean i think the vision is that you have the blueprint what needs to be done and you send this robot and say go do it and they have their tasks they can coordinate themselves and getting the job done yeah. and you don't need in you know, a human to be there And I think we are getting there because if you look at how you automate every other other kind of task, right, if you think about your software automation or anything, you write a little macros, you know, layer of macros that said, now go get the job done, it will be exactly the same. You write your macros, this macro happened to be, instead of a line of software code, A equipment doing A job, and eventually when they're all done, you get your house, you get your bridge. So I think that's we are going there, and I think that's a very, very obvious future. It's not as such a far-fetched, it's not the way I say autonomous technology is not curing cancer. But, you know, the more engineering we, we eventually will get there. It's a matter of time and resource and energy to put in, we will get there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's an yeah, exciting future. <laughs> Incredible. Um, that's pretty much everything. Um Yes, yeah, thank you for your time. It's been uh, it's been enlightening. Um, it's a pleasure to meet you.
0: Thank <laughs> you.
1: Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Bye bye.
0: And that's your lot for today. We would like to thank Viberjit for his time during this interview and wish him and Safe AI all the best of luck in helping build, literally and figuratively, the future.